Welcome back, Bucket Busters. I'm your host, Tim Johnson, and this is the Busted Bucket Podcast. Locally grown here in Portland, Oregon, the City of Roses, City of Bridges, Stumptown, PDX. This is a show dedicated to Rip City and everyone who loves Portland basketball. Joining me is my co-host, the Bay Area Blazer, Rope Zapanta. Look good, feel good, hot good, let's get it. Rope. Yes, sir. Listeners, today we bring you something brand new. I want to welcome back our guest host for a brand new edition of Watch Your Tone with Antonio Harvey. This is an open-ended program where tone sounds off on topics we provide. No filter, no script, no holds barred. You didn't ask for this. It may not even be what you want, but it's what you need. Now, without further ado, Antonio Harvey, welcome to the show, man. Welcome, man. Man, it's so good to be here. Um, This is my third time on the show. Uh, I'm excited. The great thing about what you're doing with Watch Your Tone is I don't know what the topics are. So (laughs) get it raw and authentic. Sometimes it'll be good. Sometimes it's going to be some bullshit. But either way, it's going to be what I think. And that's just what it is. Absolutely. Hey, if we didn't think it was going to be good, we wouldn't have asked you to do it. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. Third time on and he gets a segment. I mean, that's that's gold right there. I mean... He's the only guest we've actually offered that to, so. Well, my mom used to tell me I was special, but I don't think she meant it this way. (laughs) That's funny. My mom said the same thing. I know. Dang. I say that about Tim all the time. Yeah. Well, it's kind of true, though. That's why we get along so well. Kind of (laughs) true. Hey, Tone, this is your third time on. Come on, man. (laughs) All right, man. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So we're going to give you a... An easy one, not not basketball related whatsoever. Um, but you, I'm sure you saw the Academy Awards, or at least the headlines yeah. that have been roaming around. I gotta ask uh-huh. you, what did you think about the slap scene around the world? Well, okay, so so my take on it is very different, probably. First and foremost, uh, I don't see what Chris Rock did that was wrong. Right? Yeah, he made a joke, but it wasn't even really a joke. All he said was, you know, the new G.I. Jane movie. His wife is bald-headed. G.I. Jane was bald-headed. Now, why she's bald-headed, he didn't say, like, to me, it wasn't even a, it wasn't a, a knock on Jada Smith. It was just a joke. Will walking up on Chris Rock and slapping him like that, to me, that was borderline a bitch move, right? Um... You know, for for a number of reasons. Number one, let's talk about why you're really mad. You're mad because your wife had an entanglement with your son's friend. That's what you're mad about, right? I gotta gotta pause you for a second, Tone, because I feel like Chris Rock missed a serious opportunity right there. Because instead of saying, man, that was the greatest moment in television history, he could have said... Damn, that's what I call an entanglement. See, you know, <laughs> but, but see, that's why. That, to me, that's you went there. That's bro. what. It, that's what makes this whole thing so cool. Is that Chris Rock handled it the right way? Because he could have gone he a did. million places. He did. He could have said, "Hey, he took that like a champ." Right? He could have said, "Hey, man, why are you mad at me? It's Al scene. You need to be hollering at." But he didn't do that, <laughs> right? He could have said, "You need to holler at the yeah. other dude, the dude that was entangled with your wife. That should be the guy you're slapping." But he didn't. <laughs> Instead, he took the high road and just said, wow, you know, greatest show, greatest moment on live TV. But yeah, man. So so here's my thing. Number one, Jada Pinkett Smith must have pictures of Will having sex with a goat. 
because there is no <laughs> way my wife could put me through that much bullshit oh and I'm staying. Like, no way in hell. Like, like, think about that. First, you have the entanglement. And then we haven't even discussed the whole Tupac thing. Like, Tupac is dead and she's still more in love with Tupac than she is him. Like, stop it. No, yeah. she'd have, she would have been kicked to the curb. And then, you know, and I'm sure Will has done his thing because Will's got some, you know, yeah, man, look, that shit was, was, it was absolutely crazy. It was hilarious. Will Smith needs whatever jokes he gets from moving from now on because that was a straight bitch move. He should divorce Jada Pinkett Smith. I mean, let's keep it real. He makes all the damn money. When's the last, like, yeah, what yeah. move, when's the last time she was in a movie that made a dollar? Was, was she in the, that remake of The Matrix? Well, you said what made a dollar. It's definitely not that. You Matrix, know what? She, she, the last Matrix she, movie. she was in the last Matrix movie, but but she had a, a bit role, probably didn't make any mm -hmm. money for it. Man, th that couple is worth $400 million and $399,999,999 of it is his. <laughs> like, yeah. Her daughter's making more money than right? her. I guarantee it, Willow. Come on, man. Like, it, it doesn't even make sense for, her, for him to stay with her. And let's be clear. And I think it was Eddie Murphy that said this years and years ago. It was when Johnny Carson was getting divorced. He was like, man, when you're worth, you know, $10,000 and you get a divorce and she gets half, life is bad. But when you're worth $400 million and you got to give up $200, i am still good. I'm still living the wheels. Yeah, I'm right. still getting jiggy with it. So... Man, I'd be gone. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm, I'm sorry, Jay. You, you got to go. Yeah. Try Yeah. Will, Will definitely looked extremely weak in that moment, in my opinion. Um, yeah. I mean, like, the the older that I get, like, maybe in my younger years, like, I'm, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to throw down. I'm irrational. But the older I get, it's like, I don't want to fight no more. I'd rather have a conversation. And the Here's thing is the... that, like, Chris Rock and Will Smith are so obviously, like, older men now. It's just really <laughs> weird that it happened to those two guys. Well, and here's the thing. Where I have issue with it is he, Will Smith just showed the youth of, of the world that it's okay to solve your, your confrontations with violence. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Tim. And please don't take this the wrong way, but, dog, that's some bullshit. Like... No, man. No, you tell man, me. Come on, dog. Like, do you really? You tell me it's okay. Or would you tell your kids it's okay if someone says some dumb stuff to you? You can go pop them in the mouth. Exactly. That you just made my point. I would never tell my kids to follow Will Smith or anybody for that matter. Well, that's what I'm True. saying, though. But you know, you think of all the all the kids out there that look up oh, to stop. Will Smith. Or, Hold on. Or, I guess it's mainly. Hold on. I guess it's mainly our generation, is it? Like the row of my See, generation. Tim, again, I gotta stop you. You just said the kids out there looking up to Will Smith. Stop it. Come on, dog. What kids? What kids are like? Man, you know what? I want to be like the dude who played Venus and Serena and Serena's dad. Nobody. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, dog. That's, I'm still stuck on Independence see, Day. Yes, but nobody see. Nobody even saw Independence Day two, and right, and nobody's paying attention to Will Smith and on that scene. Like, you know, dude is rich and we know who he is, but he's a movie star. He's not a rapper, so nobody's really paying attention yeah, to him. Yeah. If if you know the baby had walked up on stage and slapped little baby. And then Junior Baby got involved. Then we might have a problem. If all the babies was fighting, then I'd be worried about what they're showing to you. 
But since the babies ain't fighting, <laughs> you you lost me here, Tony. <laughs> you know what? I think I lost myself, Tim. Fuck it. <laughs> How many babies are we talking about here? <laughs> well, you know, every rapper has baby in their name. True. Baby, it used to be it used to be Lil. Right? Yeah. Lil and Baby. Lil Baby, Dub Baby, Lil Baby Vert, Lil Uzi Vert, Lil... Baby Vert, Lil Vert. Fuck them all. Like, I don't listen to none of that shit anymore. <laughs> Lil Big Baby. Lil... Big Lil Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Too many babies in the rap game. Like, we're, we're, at yep. what point does one of those dudes say, you know what? I, I don't think I should put Baby in my name because there's nine of them already. So I'm just going to stay away from Baby. Oh. Fucking rappers. I can't wait Some, for the day. I can't wait for the day. Sometimes you got to ride those coattails, though, Tom. I guess that's true. <laughs> you got to ride the wave. I guess That wave's true. been going on for like <laughs> 20 years now. Yes. And everybody sounds like Drake from nineteen from 2003. It's a whole other conversation. Yeah, <laughs> All, All right, right Tom. We're going to move from one bitch moment to the next. Okay. Nurk recently got into an entanglement with a fan. You see that? I did. I Where did see that. tossed the dude's phone? Yeah. Now, do you know the details behind that? I don't. I don't. I just saw him not toss the phone. Okay. So, the the biggest detail that I saw was that this fan... I'm, I don't even want to repeat it. This fan uh, called his, um, his grandma names. We'll just leave it at that. He called Nurk's grandma's a, a name. He he was he was he was a heckling fan, which okay, whatever. But then he took it a step further nope. and started insulting nope. his grandmother. Nope. I'm sorry. Who, if our listeners don't know, he just lost her to uh, COVID complications not that long ago. Okay. So. I know you've dealt with heckling fans before, Tone. Yeah. Hit us with it. Listen. Was turn was 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 Nurk in the right? He was. He showed weakness, in my opinion. It showed that he's. Okay. It, it showed me that he's a weak-minded individual, and cats like Kevin Garnett would light his ass up. He wouldn't even. He would retire from the NBA if guys in my era were in the league right now, because that's all we did was chirp at each other. Not to mention, and you, and I'm sure you guys, maybe you're not old enough. But the guy in Washington, when they were still the Bullets, there was a there was a fan in Washington. You can Google, you just Google the the Bullets heckler. This dude okay. knew everything about you, like he was a mm. he was an attorney by trade. This was pre-internet, so he had to do real research on you. He knew your grandmother's maiden name. He knew if you had an uncle that had gone to prison. He knew. That's hella scary. Oh, man, this dude knew everything about you. That's terrifying. And he sat right next to the end of the bench. And he yelled at us all game long. (laughs) His name is Robin Ficker. There, so you've already Googled, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, dude, (laughs) there are stories from NBA players written about this dude. He was so good at being a heckler. And you just... Like you didn't t- take it personal. He was never invading your space. He was sitting behind the bench, stomping up. They would actually leave a piece of wood on the floor loose. So when he stomped, it was extra loud. Like, <laughs> dead serious. So he would stomp. And when he stomped, it was so loud, you had to look. And once he saw you look, it's over. Game over. He is in <laughs> your grill. 
And so, like, nobody ever got mad at him. A couple of times, you know, players, a few times players, like, made fun with him and, like, would throw water at him. But they would be in fun. We'd be smiling. But, but yeah, these dudes today, man, they're soft. They're weak-minded. They let fans get in their heads. I mean, Kevin Garnett, modern day, Kevin Garnett and, and Carmelo Anthony. Kevin Garnett tells Carmelo his <laughs> wife smells like Honey Nut Cheerios. He loses his mind. <laughs> All I could think was, does she smell like Honey Nut Cheerios? <laughs> Apparently, Wait, she hold on, does. hold on. Does Honey Nut Cheerios smell bad? No, but no. Oh, it smells sweet. But just assume. the fact that he knew that she smelled like that? See, that's the key right there, <laughs> right? It's not, he could have said she smelled like um, baby oil. If she actually smells like baby oil, he's in your head, right? <laughs> True. But here's the flip side of that. If you know that my wife smells like whatever, honey nut Cheerios, baby oil, whatever the case may be, I can't be mad at you. Like, even if that was the case, I still can't be mad at you because that was a decision she made either years ago or yesterday. It doesn't fucking matter. If she makes that decision, I got to respect it. Game recognized game. You won the game today. Congratulations. I'm just going to move on. <laughs> These dudes is weak, man. I got no respect for them. I mean, it's it's part of the game, right? It, it always has been. I'm an old school player like that. Hey. Now, is it, but is it, is it different when it comes from from a fan versus a player? Nope, shouldn't be. All the same, because the fan's objective is to get in your head. The player's objective is to get in your head. That's the whole point of it. You got to be strong enough either to not listen, or like where I'm from, we talk so much shit that nobody could ever get in our head, but we could get in yours. Like <laughs> we literally play every day at the park. There was a fight until we got used to it and became no numb to it and so shit talk just even didn't even bother us no more it wasn't even a thing these dudes man they don't play they don't play at the park number one that's a big part of it they don't play street ball they don't play at the park there's nobody in their ears they're coddled from from knee high to a grasshopper all the way through so they never have to develop thick skin then something happens and they you know kevin durant's another example like that's the kind of thing that happens with these dudes, and they can't handle any sort of adversity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes you think about the whole this whole thing going on with Russell Westbrook too, about oh my him and not wanting to be called Westbrook. Oh my God! Then you know what? <laughs> then you then you got to make buckets. Oh, that's, that's what it comes right, down to. Right. <laughs> make a shot, and nobody can call you. I mean, dude is hitting the side of the backboard. He's hitting. Yeah. Like, stop it! You mad at me for pointing out what you're doing wrong? Don't do it wrong. <laughs> These cats like Nurk. Oh, Nurkic has to be like looking at this fan, thinking like, does this guy have like ulterior motives? Because it's like. If you end up actually doing something to this dude, that's a fat paycheck. You lose. Right? Right? You lose. Yeah. You lose. You lose. You lose every time. Every time. The best thing Nurk could have done was not even acknowledge dude. But they ain't exactly. built that way. They're not built to not acknowledge because they, they, they're they not tough enough in the head. Right. Right. Uh. Um, Tone, I, I got to ask because... I, now, I can't remember when he started, actually. Maybe Roe can, can fill me in, but Jamal Crawford oh, uh, just recently retired. Yeah. I just want to give you a moment 
to give your thoughts on Jamal Crawford. By the way, this episode is going to be all over the place, so just bear yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Jamal Crawford. Um, probably one of the more underrated heroes in the history of the league, right? Um, you really think about it. If you go back and look at his evolution, first of all, he was a winner. Everywhere he went, his teams won, whether it was New York or the Clippers or here in Portland or wherever it was, he, he was a part of winning teams, Phoenix. Um, and then arguably one of the quickest cats that you've ever seen. Like his crossover was ridiculous. And then so smooth. his innovation, right? Like I was telling somebody, I was, I was telling my older brother who's training his son now, Jamal had signature moves that nobody else had. That flat back um, crossover was ridiculous. I mean, he he was misdirecting people. You know, I think Jamal Jamal is one of those guys who, you know, he, he won't be a Hall of Famer, but he will be well-remembered and he's well-respected amongst his peers. Uh, I think he's got a bright future as a coach if he chooses to be that. I'd like to see him, if I had my way, I'd love to see Jamal become a high school or a college coach. A lot like B-Roy. Right. Don't go to the don't come yeah. to the pro level because it's a bunch of politics and it's hard to teach. Go teach yeah. high school age kids and, and college kids and help them reach their dreams, help them become pros. Can you imagine the talent coming out of wherever he's coaching? Just the handles alone. Right. Right. Just the handle. Alone. I, I can't I can't tell you how often I spent on you know in my driveway practicing his behind the back euro step amazing it was my favorite mm -hmm. move he ever did yeah when he and it was money every time one time behind the back and then snatch it the other direction and then lay it up like it was that was yeah. innovative that was something nobody in the league was doing by the way that was new shit mm -hmm. that's what amazed me about it um and he's a good dude little facts about jamal a lot of people don't know no poisons in his body whatsoever. Doesn't smoke, doesn't drink, doesn't do any of that. He is as pure as they come. That's why he played until he was 41 years old and could have been playing this year had somebody given him a shot. I agree. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is, Tone? Why is it just his age? Is that why nobody gave him a shot? Because oh, yeah, the guy, yeah. Okay, I was gonna say because the, the guy was had proven that he's still good. He can yeah. still contribute to a to to a contender. Two factors. Really, anybody. Number one is age, um, and number two is salary. So every year you play in the league, your minimum salary goes up. Jamal's minimum salary is probably three to four million dollars, right? That's a slot you can give to somebody else if you need right. it. Somebody younger, somebody up and coming. And I think that's the way a lot of GMs look at it is let's find somebody who can help us in two or three years versus this guy who might or might not be able to help us this year. To be honest, I'm surprised the Nets didn't pick him up. Seriously. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's weird, the Nets. You know who should have picked him up is the Lakers. I mean, they were already 182 years or old. the Lakers, They might right? as well pick up I mean, another 40-year-old. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, now, we have, I don't think we've discussed this, but is there anybody in America more excited about the Lakers' demise than a Blazer fan? No, no, I don't think so. Be? I mean, uh, maybe, maybe Clipper fans, maybe. I, maybe. Not even, yeah, but it's kind of a. So here's the thing about Clipper fans in LA—they're not really Clipper fans. 
They're Laker fans. Oh, okay. They're, yeah, they're, that's true. They're that's Laker true. fans who couldn't afford tickets. So they said uh, <laughs> so, they got them reversible jerseys. Yeah, so so one for at home, one for the game. So deep down, deep down, they really want to cheer for the Lakers. They can't admit it. But in their heart of hearts, they really want to see the Lakers do well. But so so speaking of the Lakers, and I don't know if this is a topic we were gonna talk about, but we're gonna talk about it now. Um <laughs> Tone's taking over the show. Man, LeBron James is terrible. And he, and he's having his best statistical year. Yeah. But what people don't realize is, and it's not people, his fans don't want to realize is his usage is so high that nobody else on the team has a chance to be successful. He has the ball in his hands every single possession. Russell Westbrook is a high-use guy. They took the ball out of his hands. AD is a high-use guy. They took the ball out of his hand. Carmelo is a high-use guy. They take the ball out of his hand. That might be the single worst constructed team in the history of the NBA. You got seven high-use guys on the same fucking roster. Polinka needs to be fired. Um, <laughs> the head coach, Vogel, needs to be fired. Uh, LeBron needs to be fired. Um, yeah. And did you got? I don't know if you guys saw today's article, but I think it was Winehurst was talking about LeBron's four-year cycle. Oh, no, okay. I, I hadn't seen that. So everywhere, he, and it was an interesting article, and it kind of made sense. Everywhere he's gone since he left Cleveland the first time. It's a four-year cycle. You get him, you win, he starts, your team starts to decline a little bit, and he leaves. Think about it. When he left Miami, they had no draft picks. When he left Cleveland the second time, they had no draft picks. When he left Cleveland the first time, they had no draft picks. You know who doesn't have any draft picks? The Lakers. I'm going to guess uh, the Lakers. Guess the Lakers. The Lakers. <laughs> At this point, LeBron being 30, what, 37? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't re-sign him. Really? Nope. Oh, if you were the Lakers. If I was the saying. Lakers, I would not re-sign him. I mean, somebody's going to take him. Thank you. Thank you. In fact... I would put him on a trading block. I would be the guy. They should trade him. I would be the guy that Absolutely. traded LeBron James. But I would want your. I would. I want everything for him, right? I'm rebuilding yeah, my roster exactly. by you taking a 38 year old who, despite averaging 30 points a game, is still declining. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would try. And and it's gonna be. It would be an unpopular opinion. I trade the shit out of him. I'd tra- but I want. <laughs> I want Bradley yeah. Beal. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to a roster that has some talent, and I want I want everything but your your number one guy. Well, what you what you'd want to do is bring in some young stars and and bolster that with some more draft picks, right? I, yeah. I mean that's the dream, right? I, you know what? I'll trade into Oklahoma City. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take all the, all them picks. Right? Enjoy I'll take OKC. your entire roster and Enjoy. all of your picks. <laughs> Man. I mean, you think about it. LeBron. Yeah. Imagine if this year LeBron had Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope, right? Like real players mm-hmm. who were younger and more athletic. They'd be winning. Or even they, they could have had Ball still. I'm sorry, even Lonzo Ball still. Lonzo Ball. No. Um, oh, you guys are missing one, man. The bald Mamba, Alex Caruso. <laughs> Alex, yeah. You know what, Alex Caruso? That's a good example. Yeah. I'll tell you a guy who who left that roster. Um, and I thought it was a bad idea when they did it was JaVale McGee. Yeah. yeah. Right? JaVale is one of those guys who he knows how to help help winning teams. 
He's not going to score a bunch of points, but he doesn't mind coming in off the bench and giving you solid minutes at the backup center position. He's going to do his job every single night. That, to me, is what teams like like the Lakers miss. They don't have a backup. Yeah, and he's going to get you publicity every game because he's going to end up on Shaqton a fool. Yeah. Uh, you know what? <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on now. He's, he's you know, doing pretty good. Shaq killed, he killed Shaq so, so hard the last couple of years. Shaq won't put him on anymore. Yeah. Really? Yeah, like he hasn't been on Shaq in a pool in a long time, but he also hasn't made any bonehead plays in a while either. So I guess <laughs> six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, I think I think that was during his stint with the Warriors, right? And Draymond, yeah. Steph, Clay got yeah. behind him. Was like, yeah, I don't know why he keeps putting him in those highlights. It's hurting his career. I think that's what the, the point. That's was. what they said. Mm. And he's a good dude. Like he's a really good kid, smart as a whip. Yeah. He's one of those kids who, who the NBA has almost been like detrimental to his development. He's so smart. Hmm. And there are certain players, you know, who are smarter than the NBA. And what I mean by that is some guys, that's all they have. Like, and I don't, I don't want to be, a, I don't want to knock on, on, I'm not sure, I won't name any guys, but I've played with players who the NBA was their only shot at being successful, right? They either weren't smart right. enough, you know, they were, or they didn't have a natural charisma or whatever the case may be. And their only chance was to be in the NBA. But then I've also played with guys who were not as successful because the NBA didn't run their lives, right? They wanted to be CEOs or they wanted to be this thing that's equal to being in the NBA, but they couldn't because they were tall and athletic and everybody pushed them into basketball. So they just play basketball. Then you then you turn 38 and you retire and life begins. And you start looking in the mirror like, man, I could have been a fucking CEO 10 years ago if I hadn't been dribbling that basketball. There's a lot more guys mm -hmm. like that than you would imagine. Kind of like Tim. I can. If Tim hadn't started this podcast, he might actually be successful. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Got him. Got him. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you ain't wrong. <laughs> Hey, I'm sorry. Come on, man. man. This is this is my this is my retirement plan. It's a it's a sixty year plan, but it's still a plan. <laughs> I'm going to retire, and then the next day I'm going to die. But that's okay. I have that one retirement. <laughs> there you go. To look back exactly. On. <laughs> oh. Oh man. God, all that just from asking you about Jamal Crawford. That was amazing. Hey man. Tell hey puppy. Hey puppy. <laughs> Somebody's at my door. My dog doesn't like people. My dog, my dog hates people more than I do. And that's hard to believe. <laughs> Tone, uh, we need to know. Okay. We absolutely need to know. Are the Blazers screwing up this tank job? Uh, so I want to say something. I don't believe in tanking. And like, okay. what I mean by that is, I don't believe in tanking from the standpoint of, I don't even know how it's possible. Because you you, you still have men on that roster that want to play, right? Even if they're not talented, like let's say Phoenix, they still want to play. So they're still out there competing. And for that reason alone, I refuse to say a team is tanking. I can say a team has less talent, 
right? You can name it any one of those things, but the whole idea of tanking, it rubs me the wrong way. Because, and, and I'll tell you exactly right. why. Because if a team ever wanted to tank, I would have been their starting power forward. So fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? We want to lose a bunch of games this year. Who can we put? Hey, Tony Harvey, let's get him on the roster. We're guaranteed. <laughs> hey, congratulations, Tony. You are now our starting power yeah, forward. Yeah, someone call Joe Cronin. Someone right? call him right now. <laughs> get this man a paycheck. So, so that's why I, you know I, I, I feel like I really feel weird about ever saying a team is tanking because ultimately you're putting guys on the floor that want to play, and they want to win. But you're still, as far as like a, a GM mm-hmm. is concerned, though. I mean, they're they're thinking they need to lose games. Am I am I am I wrong? Like, is is because this is the fan base. Yeah, right? we're we're thinking we're thinking. Okay, Joe Cronin understands that if we lose a big portion of these games, we're going to get a pretty good draft pick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's going to put out, like you said, maybe the less talented of of a roster out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe make up a few injuries along the way. So, so that's a tank job, is it not? Um, yeah, no, no. Okay, and, 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 and I'll tell you why. Um, culture matters, right? People don't talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. You look at teams that do real tank jobs, if you want to call it that. They have stinky culture that stays stinky long after the tank, the tank job is over, right? No team tanks its way into success. I have yet to see it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the team. Um, the Cleveland Browns mm. tanked to get Baker Mayfield. Didn't work out so well. Did they though? I thought I thought they were just always bad. Well, maybe maybe that's what it was. <laughs> maybe that's a bad example. Maybe they were just terrible. <laughs> but but I think you you can you can potentially mess up your culture. By going in mm-hmm. and by intentionally trying to lose. Um, if I were going to try to move up in the draft, right, by mm-hmm. by losing games, I wouldn't put players out there that that are less talented. That, well, I would find players that play hard, right? Maybe you're not as talented, but you have you play so fucking hard that it's okay. And that way you don't change your culture because playing hard is a culture thing, right? I wouldn't get mm-hmm. lazy guys that want to lose. I want everybody out there giving me everything you have. And then if we lose, we lose. And that's why I don't, that's why like, I don't look at this as a tank job out of Blazers. I think mm-hmm. the Anthony Simons deal, um, this was supposed to be to develop him. With Dame out, mm-hmm. you might as well develop right. him. Um, you know, this is a great opportunity. They're not going to take it to let Nurk walk or I would sign and trade him for a player that I think has the potential to be a top whatever pick um, but but they're going to have to make some serious decisions this summer um, tank or no tank they're going to be they're going to have two mid-lottery picks those are going to be crucial to your success you know I, I, Joe's a good dude he's a good basketball evaluator I'm sure they're going to do their job but this is going to be the most crucial draft the Blazers have had since they drafted Brandon Roy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be yeah, big. It's going to be big. They have to make it work. Um, and you think about that year they got Brandon, they got LaMarcus and B. It has to be that type of year. But the difference is they have Dame already. 
So if you can get and and, and I have a lot of feelings about the draft. Things I hate. They won't go for a four-year guy with a lottery pick. Not they it just never seems to be the case, right? But those are the guys that come in and instantly help you become successful. Dane did it. Mm-hmm. CJ did it, right? I would be mm-hmm. looking for the best three to four year player in college right now. And those would be my I think last time you last time I think you said it was uh was it Oscar Oscar Schwebe. Yep. He, yeah. I don't like him in I don't like him at five or seven or nine. But if mm-hmm. I can trade um Nurk for number 25. And that's yeah. and see Nurk to me is the kind of talent that could get you the 25th pick. Right. So I would trade, I would keep, Yeah, I would agree. Right? I would keep five and seven or whatever it is, wherever those two land. Then I'd trade Nurk for 25. That's Oscar Schwebe. Because his his skill set translates to the NBA. I, I can name guys. Um, Dennis Rodman was a D2 player, but he led the division in rebound. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with, oh, shoot. Ben Wallace was the number one rebounder in the league, you know, in college basketball his senior year. Same thing with um, the dude from... Two of my favorite defensive players of all time, right? by the way. Manimal. Manimal. What's his name? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, God, it's been a minute since I've seen him yeah. play. I forgot his first... I forgot his name. Right, uh, Kenneth Fareed. <laughs> Fareed. Kenneth Fareed. Yes. Kenneth Fareed. You know, another small school guy. And if Nurk had not developed, Fareed would have been that guy in Denver. Not Nurk, mm-hmm. but Jokic. If Jokic hadn't developed Jokic, Jokic yeah. Fareed would still be in Denver. That's the kind of player the Blazers need one of them. One guy that can create multiple possessions for him. One guy who, who limits the other team's possession. And you can't, that's the hardest thing in the world to train. Rebounding is a, such an instinctual part of the game. You can't train that. That's why I got so mad. I think we, we, we talked about it. That's why I was so pissed off when they let Whiteside go. Yeah, He had two yeah. natural talents, rebounding and blocking shots. Two of the most- That's what you need with a center. That's all I need. You do that That's all what day. you need. You don't need them to score and catch lobs, right? And I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't care if you've got a lazy demeanor. Tracy McGrady had a lazy demeanor. He could crush it, and that's True. that's what that's what hurt um, Whiteside. And they looked at him and Nurk. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this, Tim. Nurk's career averages are lower than Whiteside's career averages. And the year we had them both. Nurk was still not as good statistically as Whiteside, and everybody said Whiteside mm-hmm. was late anyway. The Blazers yeah. got some. Well, and, and Whiteside, you knew what you were going to get every game with Nurk. Look, I love the guy. I think he's a really cool dude, but he takes vacations. He takes mental vacations. Yep. Well, we saw one. We saw him walk across, and he wasn't even playing. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. You're in street clothes. You don't even have a yeah. reason to pay attention to that dude. That dude's across the court from you. <laughs> Like that's that's yeah, yeah. your your mind's not where it needs to be. Um, yeah, and I think Nurk's a talented dude, but you can't have Nurk on the roster with Dane and CJ or Dane and Simons. You got to have a Whiteside, a Rudy Gobert. You got to have a, a clogger in the paint with those guys. And and they need to be athletic. You need with the, with the construction of this roster, you need to have an athletic center. Yes. Yeah, Nurk could barely jump, let alone run. Right. And it's like, you guys didn't think about this? Like, when you're thinking about roster construction, <laughs> like, Dame likes to run around the court, right? Maybe he should be able to run if there's going to play next to this guy. Like, yep. it's absolutely strange. Like, if you, if you were to throw in somebody like a, 
I mean, he, he's not playing anymore, but someone like Marcus Camby. A Marcus Camby type would have been yep. perfect. Yep. A, 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 a JaVale McGee would have been perfect. You know? Even uh, Boogie Cousins, man. Like, he's a little less athletic, but Boogie Cousins would have been great. Well, see, now, you know, I, I want to go back real buckets. quick, though. Oh, go ahead. Well, yes, he can. Uh, I wanted to go back because you were talking about guys that just have the, the like, raw in- instinct to get boards. One of the and this is completely off topic, but a guy that I couldn't understand why he just got axed from the league is Thomas Robinson. What happened with that guy? The guy was an animal on the boards. Yes. He was one of those guys, like you said, would get you second second chances. He would keep the, the play alive. He would clog the paint. What happened with that? I don't think he fit a mold. I was here with T-Rob, and we all liked him. Mm-hmm. We loved his effort. But he didn't fit anywhere. And the way the roster was constructed, where did he play? We had LaMarcus at the time. Yeah. Uh, right. I think we had, was I don't know if Chris Villa was still on the roster. It might have been after Chris Villa. No, I think it was. We had, we had Robin. We had Lopez. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's a guy. There's a guy that fits the mold of what we're talking about. Back to T-Rob. Uh, T-Rob's a good dude. I don't think the team knew how to utilize him. Uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to. That was that was. Well, but then how do you how do you explain no other team picking him up? Oh, once 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 the league is down on you, man, it's a wrap. Hard. You That's just, name a guy who had a team get down on him and then bounced around and found a spot. I can't name one. Raymond Felton. Really? Didn't he go back to New York? Did he find a spot? He never had a spot. Are you like, sure? I thought. I thought. <laughs> okay. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> the, ra- the, the round mound of assist. <laughs> um, no, I mean you think about it. When once the league gets down on you, and 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 let's talk about Ray. He went to Oklahoma City and had some decent years, but he was never great. He was just okay, right? He went from great yeah. in Charlotte to okay everywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, once the league decides to put that, that, that X on you, man, it's a wrap. You you know, unless you develop a skill somewhere. Uh, T-Rob, mm-hmm. he was a hell of an effort guy, but that's about it. That's all he had. He, you know, he just he didn't have a place in the league. And once the league decided he didn't have a place yeah. in the league, it was over with. The only mm-hmm. one I can think of, maybe Derrick Rose? Wait, though. Remember, Derrick Rose got injured. Yeah, I don't think right. the league really got down on him. Yeah, he, just, he got hurt. He That's got true. Hurt. And and true. and and before he was hurt, like he was MVP. Yeah. So okay. he was a monster. Okay. Let's talk about this tone. Okay. How about what's currently going on with uh, Ben Simmons? Does that qualify? Ben do you, Simmons. Do you think? No. Do you think? Do you think he's even going to play this year? Oh uh, yeah, he'll play. Uh, sometime at some point in the playoffs. He might get two games in to end the season, and then it'll be in the playoffs. Um, ben Simmons. situation, though? Yeah, Ben Simmons, the league's not down on Ben. Um, I don't think so either. I think Ben Just is. the Sixers? Yeah, Ben is down on the league. <laughs> I think it's more the other okay. way around. He really doesn't want to be associated with the NBA anymore. If he could, he would certainly retire. If they, if they said, look, we're just going to give you $128 billion, you can shut it down. He'd shut it down. I think he is so spent mentally, he has no desire to be a part of the league anymore. That that's that's hmm. my take on Ben Simmons right now. He's he's really spent. 
and it's a tough place um from personal experience um for me it was my my oldest boy being born right I, I was hungry I had a fire in my belly from the day I picked up a basketball to the day he was born and the minute he was born I had a new priority and I so I was right. never the same player after that because I, I was always worried about I started worrying about stuff I never had worried about before like how am I going to feed my family and right and that was never my thing my thing was always am I going to start what's my yeah. you know what I mean I need to get some playing time and once he was born, my priority shifted to, man, I got to make a roster. I just want to be on the team. And that's the worst position to be in from a player standpoint because there is no fire. Now I'm just trying to do just enough to make the roster. I'm just coasting. Right. And that's exactly what happened. I think that's where Ben is now. Something shut him off. And unless Brooklyn or another team can figure out how to turn that back on, I think he's done. This is my opinion of it. Yeah, I mean, did we did we already talk to you about Brooklyn and and the Sixers about the bet Rowan I have going on? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, but I'm, this is interesting. <laughs> bring it up, bring it up. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet five dollars on any team to win and get two hundred dollars in free bets if they do. It's that simple. If they win. You win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 and older restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Well, I, a few shows ago, we got to talking about the whole the, the trade between uh, the Sixers and the Nets. And mm -hmm. we got to thinking... Which team actually won this trade? And I told Ro, look, I think it's actually the Sixers. As long as Embiid stays healthy, I think they're going much further than Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. He -hmm. took the, the other side. Mm -hmm. He takes the other side mm -hmm. and says Brooklyn's going much further. But here's here's my point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, if Embiid gets injured. Shut up, Tone. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm just mm -hmm. Hey, man, watch your tone with mm. Tone. <laughs> <laughs> See, missed opportunity again. <laughs> Come on, Chris Rock. Uh, Get it together. I, I I understand that if Embiid gets injured, it's it's over for the Sixers. Mm -hmm. But there's at the time there were so many unknowns with Brooklyn. You don't know if Kyrie's going to be able to play every game. Mm -hmm. You don't know if if Ben Simmons is ever going to play this season. Mm -hmm. Uh and then there's KD who I mean, he's KD. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. But he's also recently been somewhat injury prone. Mm -hmm. I took the Sixers. Mm -hmm. He took the next mm -hmm. Nets. We slammed 100 bucks on it. Mm -hmm. I got to know. I got to know. Mm -hmm. I'll take mm -hmm. Venmo or Cash App or whatever you got. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Tell me how wrong I was, Tone. So here's the only, the only thing... Here's where you made. Here's where you messed up. You didn't consider <laughs> the ancillary pieces that yeah. that were. Ben Simmons was the primary piece, but there are some ancillary pieces that moved that changed Brooklyn. Number one being Andre Drummond. Curry. No, oh, Drummond. Uh, uh, Brooklyn was operating without a center all season. Sure, they had Lamarcus and they had um, Blake Claxton. Griffin and Clax. Clax is not a center. He's too thin. 
Now they have Drummond, who's Drummond. There's a name. If I'm the Blazers, I'm signing him this summer. Hey, didn't didn't we draft Myers Leonard over Andre Drummond? Different conversation. Man, don't bring that up. (laughs) Different conversation. Just saying. Different. I think I've set tone, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this might be the third and last time he's on now. Thanks, <laughs> yeah, the thanks, third Tim. and final time. Man, let me tell you something, man. I would have drafted a pack of now ladies and some Skittles over Myers Leonard. <laughs> I mean, just oh, and Myers man. is a good dude, but it was his it was his level of competition. Right, he had never played against NBA anything yeah. close to NBA talent. That's a real thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to Brooklyn because I want to. I want to <laughs> tell you my take on Brooklyn. Okay, we knew Kyrie was at some point going to play. Mm-hmm. Losing James Harden actually took it freed up um, the other pieces like James and 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 Kyrie and KD. To me, it was never going to work because there, there are three high-use guys. KD and Kyrie are good enough between the two of them to equal three really good players. Joe, I mean, KD right now is the best player in the NBA, hands down. Kyrie might be the best point guard in the league right now, hands down. So those two combined equal the, the, the three-piece that most teams need to be successful. You lose James Harden, so you open up some shots for guys like, for multiple guys, like LaMarcus, like Claxton, like um, like Curry. And oh, by the way, you get a spot up shooter in Curry that now the defense has to respect every play down. You know what that means? Kyrie has more space to operate. KD has more space to operate. I don't think anybody touches uh, Brooklyn except Milwaukee. And the only reason Milwaukee could touch Brooklyn is because that that really, really freakish dude is actually and genuinely a freakish dude. Did you see? <laughs> yeah. Did you see his play last night? I didn't. I, I didn't watch any ball last night. 5.7 on the clock. He gets the ball on an inbounds somewhere between the baseline and the, the three-point line. I'm sorry, in the free throw line. About two, about four seconds later, He's dunking it at the other end on like three dribbles. Like <laughs> ridiculous. It's it's yeah, it's, I saw it. It's mind blowing stuff that he's doing right now. Um yeah. so I like them. I like Brooklyn. I don't think Miami I think Miami's a pretender. I think they look good on, on paper, but when you have a chance to game plan seven games, you can figure Tyler Hero out. You can figure out some mm-hmm. of those other pieces. That dude's a punk, by the way. Exactly. But you can't figure out how to deal with the Greek freak. I I mean, give me two weeks. Give me a month. Give me seven years. It doesn't matter. You can't figure out how to stop that dude. He's too fucking freaky. Um, Oh, my wife is telling me not to curse. I don't think she understands how this works. That's a different conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So... So no, the, I'm I'm absolutely with you. But what about the 76ers side? Like, do you like that trade? No, do you not like it for nothing them? about it. Nothing about it works for me. Nothing about that trade works for me. Think about it. The Sixers weren't in fifth or eighth place. They were in like third mm-hmm. place in the East without James Harden. So it must have been working. Right. Then you add, yeah. but you add a selfish piece. I don't think James Harden is a winner. My opinion. 
I think James Harden is can win sometimes, but I don't think yeah. he's a natural born winner. I put him oh, in there's the, stats to back that up. Right? I put him in the vein <laughs> of Melo. And I like Melo. But uh-huh. I don't some guys can get you great numbers, but can never get you victories. And I we talked about this a minute ago. That's where LeBron is right now. He's he's so capable of getting you big numbers, but he's not as capable of getting you victories as he was two seasons ago. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I don't like I didn't like the trade for Philadelphia at all. I love I love the Maxi kid. I really love um, the, the small forward Tobias Harris. Yeah. I, I, oh yeah. But now he's been turned into a, a shell of himself with James Harden on the roster. That's why that's why this was not a good trade for for Philly. You're not you're not wrong, Tone. And look, I can take my licks. <laughs> I can afford the hundred bucks. Well, maybe I can't afford the hundred bucks anymore. I just bought a house, Tone. Ooh. I am so house poor. <laughs> See, <laughs> hey, listen. I just want dinner. Dinner's on you when I come back to the bay. That's all I'm saying because you're gonna win that hundred dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, wait. You let's said no. I will. Mm-hmm. I will Why gladly not? treat you both out to dinner. Wait, you said you're in the bay? No, no, no. Dinner's not on you. I, the bottle of water you can afford in the bay is about all I. <laughs> <laughs> so the first bottle of water is on you, but that's about all you can afford in the bay. You both, I know for real, right? Rose gonna Rose gonna say, yeah, come on down, I'll treat you out to dinner. Here's a side salad, right? The <laughs> side salad and water. That's just the way we eat here. Don't worry. Going to Olive Garden and getting all you can eat breadsticks, breadsticks and pasta or whatever it is. One entree. We can only order one entree, and then we're gonna eat as much salad yeah. as we can get. Um, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, Tone, please order in and out. Please order in and out." <laughs> oh, I hope yeah. That's the bay, though. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like I like what Brooklyn did. I'm not a big fan. Of, I've never been a huge fan of James Harden as a winner. Like him as a player, not so much as a winner, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go back. Well, go ahead. Rick. I was gonna say not just James Harden, though. I mean, like their coach, Coach Doc. Mm-hmm. Like his had some terrible just yeah. losses, yep. like three one losses in the playoffs too. So it's like I don't really like this marriage right. like at all. You're right. I tell you what, I do anyway. like though. I like Joel Embiid. I like that guy. Yeah, he's a talent. He it is... actually made me upset that they made the trade because I thought the roster construction construction around him was perfect. Perfect, absolutely yep. perfect. Like the. The two-way play between uh, Seth Curry and Joel Embiid is exactly the way a guard and a talented big should play. And it was sad to see them, yep. you know, part. Well, Daryl Morey is, is Daryl Morey, and it's funny because it all fits. James Harden is a talented player, not a winner. Daryl Morey is a great GM for putting together almost teams. I can get right. you almost the championship, but not quite. He's a perfect GM for that. Doc Rivers is a great almost coach. I mean, he won a championship in Boston, but he had KG, Ray Allen, and Man, and, some amazing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Rajon Rondo. So yeah, yeah. Not um, not a fan of Philadelphia right now. Yeah. No. All, right. All right, Tim. What you got next coming? Let's go back. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even gonna say anything about that anymore. Like I said, I can take my licks. Uh. I want to go back to us talking about, you know, the quote unquote tanking. Um, you were on the air for 10 years. Well, is that right? Well, 12 years, 12 years. Okay. You were on the air for 12 years. Were you ever in a position where 
the team, well, I guess you always covered the Blazers, where the Blazers uh, maybe weren't doing so hot. Maybe they were tanking. Um, did you ever find it difficult to put a positive spin on the games while you were on air? Nah. Nah. You, you find positivity. I can go back to my first season. So my first season, we were coming off, I think it was a 29-win season. So it must have been like 05, 04, 05, we had a 25-win season. No, 05, 06, we had a 29-win season. 06, 07, we had a 36-win season. I think it was something somewhere in that range. Um, so what you have to do is you, you have to start, you have to stop celebrating the team and start celebrating the game. Uh, I can remember early in my first season, we were playing against Phoenix and we kind of stopped celebrating because the team was so bad. We stopped celebrating the Blazers and we just started celebrating the great play we were seeing from Steve Nash, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think he had like 20 assists in that game. And so you, you transition. Uh, the other thing that I always tried to do was give fans an outlet, right? It's, it's easy when you work for the team and somebody says that, you know, the team is terrible. It's easy to say, no, they're not, right? And here's why. <laughs> but what I found is if I do that, people just dig into their opinions. And so what always worked for me was instead of telling me how wrong you are, I want to hear why you feel like the team is terrible and what's, what's the basis for that, right? And then I wanted to help fans figure out the bright side of this, right? So yes, yeah, the team is terrible. Yeah, we only won 36 games. But um, we developed this guy, and that guy had a chance to develop it. So we saw some bright moments for him from him. And you know, now with the lottery pick, we get this guy, and we get a chance to get that guy, and we're starting to, right? And so that was always my perspective. I don't like to shut fans down unless they say something that's absolutely stupid, and then, you know, <laughs> I don't have a choice. Like the Sixers won that trade? <laughs> <laughs> oh, because, you know, there's a there's – a, there's there's a reasonable um, thought that you could put into that. That why you know you got James Harden. He's an All Star. He's a, he's a top fifty player, top seventy five player. So I can see the argument. It's wrong, but I can see it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So no, I never, I never really got down or never had a problem calling a game. I would actually say it was more difficult towards the end of my career as a broadcaster, mm -hmm. but it was for a whole set of reasons that had nothing to do with basketball or the Blazers. I was tired. I had grown so, I had 25 years at that point of being in the NBA and doing the same thing every single night, every single year. Um, it was more difficult for, towards the end of my career to sit down in that broadcast booth and have any enthusiasm, not just for the Blazers, but for basketball in general. And I, mm -hmm. I think we talked about it, Tim. After, after I left the Blazers, I didn't watch basketball for two seasons. Like, mm -hmm. nothing. If it was on the TV and I walked in, I'm changing the channel. I don't care who's in the room. and I don't care, you know, Or if I go to somebody's house and they're watching a the game, I'll just go sit somewhere else. Like, it, it, it had drained me so much that there wasn't much joy in it. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I would say down the stretch, it wasn't so much the Blazers. No, no, the Blazers never... I never got down on a Blazer team. It was more basketball in general. Mm -hmm. uh, is it safe to say that Jeremy Grant is the number one uh, trade target or target in general hmm. this offseason? Hmm. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel about Jeremy Grant's game. I haven't okay. seen him on a good team yet. I've seen him on, you know, I'm trying to think where, what good team was he actually on? Um, Detroit's been terrible so since he, he got there. It's, it's easy to be great on a terrible team. Um, if I were going, how do you think? How do you think his skill set would fit with this roster, though? Uh, I don't know because I don't know what his skill set is. Is because he, he's not a pure shooter. He's not Paul George, who I don't like either, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, so no, I don't think he would be my number one objective. I think if I had to choose a guy, my my first objective, if I were running this team. My number one guy would be Andre Drummond. Interesting. Okay. And the reason I, I, I go that way is because he fills so many needs. He's a rebounder, mm -hmm. he's a shot blocker, and he can finish at the rim. And mm -hmm. he's been humbled enough that he doesn't mind being third or fourth. Andre Drummond in Detroit might have been a problem, right? Trading for that guy might, might create issues. But getting him now as a free agent... I hadn't even thought about getting Drummond this offseason. You know, he's a 13-rebounder guy night. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a, a night guy, rather. If I can get – if you can get 14 rebounds, 12 points, 14 rebounds, two blocks a game from Andre Drummond, that's beautiful. Well, I was going to say, once upon yeah. a time, he was a double-double machine. Oh, he, we, uh, he led the league in blocks and rebounds for a few seasons. So, mm -hmm. I like him. Uh, trade perspective – I don't know. Or, or or how about this? Um, so the reason why Jeremy Grant is in the conversation is because people are trying to look for a wing to pair with Dame Lillard, obviously, mm -hmm. and Ant. So what kind of wing would you want? Like what qualities would you want in a wing to pair with Dame? Okay. Um, you got to be able question, to question. Got to be able to shoot the ball. That's okay. my number one thing. And I don't need Wait, like, like create or like catch and shoot. No, which catch, is more important. Catch and shoot only. Catch and shoot. I don't need okay. another ball handler. I need somebody that you have to play tight on so that Dane can get to the rim. I need right. I need you to be a three and a true three and D guy, not Robert Covington, because the only problem with Covington was too small. So here's 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 what I would mm -hmm. say to the small forward position. You got him already. You have an energy guy that's developing some skill set. He can shoot the ball, Thank you. put him on the court, and let him continue to develop. Him, and y'all, you know who I'm talking about. I don't even have the name of him. Everybody listening knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> but we'll name him anyway. Yes. Nazir Little should be the yep. future of the small small ball position. I agree. You don't have to be a great re uh, a ball handler. I I'll tell you guys some interesting stuff. <clears throat> Draymond Green is not a great ball handler. He's a decent ball handler, but he dribbles downhill all the time. So think about this. If a guy is coming at you full speed, how do you stop him? You can't get a steal because he's moving too fast and he's too strong. All he has to do is know where to make the pass to. Nas can do that. He's a downhill guy. So I, I think Dane, Simons, Nazir Little, and if you can get a guy like Andre Drummond, that's four or five. And Tim, you've heard these yeah. words before. And, and this will be new for you, Ro. 
if you want to be a successful team in the NBA, you have to have at least two guys that are top 15, top 10 actually, at their position. Preferably three. If you've got four, you're a championship caliber team. If you've got five, well, that's that rarely happens. You look at Phoenix. Um, Great. DeAndre, J, uh, DeAndre Ayton is top 10 center in the league, easily. Devin Booker might be the number one two guard. Chris Paul is easily top 10. Uh, Mikael Bridges is underrated. He's probably 12. I'd say he's probably 12 at his position. Yeah. But he's top 15. He's got to be like top five in defense. Right? He's got to be like top five for yeah. his position. So you start putting him in. So if you put all of his intangibles together, he's probably top 10 when you add his offense and his defense. And then Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is top half of the league at his position. So now you've got two top half guys and three top 10 guys. If the Blazers added Andre Drummond and he could come in here and average 12 points, 14 rebounds, and three blocks, he's top 10. We know Dame is top 10. We know that that Simons has the potential to be top 10. If Nas can be top half of the league at the three, and you can draft a power forward that can uh, uh, an Oscar Schwebe type or somebody that can come in and be top half of the league, the Blazers are now contending. That's all you need is that. And that's the way I would go at it. I got two guys that I know are top, top 10, maybe a third. I got two guys that are top 15. My team is now contending. It's a no-brainer. So this is under the assumption as well that we're trading Nurk for that 25th pick or whatever whatever it, it, Oscar Schwebe ends up being. Yes. Well, is that correct? Yeah, and then I just then you, you, I forgot about the, the, the two lottery picks, right? If you use those lottery picks the right way, do not draft a 19-year-old. You can't do it. The Blazers are not talented enough to wait three years for that guy to develop. They need a right-now guy. So you got to draft a four-year or three-year college guy, somebody you know what you're getting. Um, and then you got to be creative. And Andre Drummond is only going to cost $10 million. <clears throat> you can get him. Still have money left. You can create some trade exceptions and still have money left. So it'll be interesting. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but Andre Drummond would be my number one objective. I would not be going after Jeremy Grant because I think I can fill my roster with better talent and not mm -hmm. spend that money on Jeremy, my opinion. I, I got to say, I like that. I think that is a solid plan. Yeah, I, agree. I Again, I hadn't even thought about bringing Drummond in. That would be amazing. He, he would, uh, and, 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 it, and it flies so under the radar. He's not going to have a lot of suitors, right? And the mm -hmm. suitors that come from for him, they're not going to make him a priority. So he's the guy you make your number one priority. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's a chapter in the art of war. Be strong where they think you're weak. Be weak where they where they think you're strong. Everybody's going to be chasing Jeremy Grant. I'm letting them go right, and while they go right, I'm going left to Andre Drummond because he fits my roster. He makes me better right now, and I can tell you, Chauncey Billups would love him because he plays traditional basketball. Chauncey's more of a traditional coach. Yeah, I hear that. Right, Tone, you had you had mentioned the Suns. And I'm mm -hmm. glad you did because I recently, and I know you're not on Twitter. I recently randomly chimed into a Twitter spaces. And if you don't know what that is, just a bunch of people talking at each other. Mm -hmm. Sean Marion was on there. Oh my God. I heard him. 
He sounded like an idiot. Did you? <laughs> wait, so wait, wait, here, wait. Okay, Tim, here, Tim break here, down, break down the. the here are the takeaways. I mean, here, here are the takeaways. So, the funny thing is, Tone, I got in right when he started his rant. Here are the takeaways that I got. I didn't stay for the whole thing. <laughs> One, he's more than an ugly shot. Apparently. Two, two, fans came to see the Matrix, not the Suns. And three, the that Suns team started the small ball movement. Um, go for it, Tone. Okay. So first and foremost, um, when you really believe something, you don't have to tell the world. They already know it, right? So the fact that he's in uh, a clubhouse room ranting about how great he was tells me you're not that great because apparently you don't think everybody knew it already. Yeah, I was I was like, wow, this dude, this dude is tripping. Like, oh my god. <laughs> I got I got a no tone. Was he more than just an ugly shot? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right? Like, thank you. <laughs> there is no question that Sean Marion was an All Star caliber talent because he did so many things. He was a rebounder. He was a runner. He was a defender. He was all of that. But. You need to you need to tell everybody. I mean, I mean, something happened. Something happened. Yeah, I, mean, I can tell you he's what happened. Holding on to that for a long time. I can tell I you mean, what good. happened. The phone Go stopped ahead. ringing, man. That's what happens when you retire. And it's okay. <laughs> we just talked. I just talked about this. Think about think about what I was saying earlier. Some guys are smarter than the NBA. They're more than the NBA. Some guys are just the NBA. Sean We're Marion. not going to name any names here. No, but <laughs> Sean Marion obviously doesn't have much. He doesn't feel like he has much other than that because that's what he talked about. Like, Tim, we've been on here. I've been on here. This is my third time on the show. I don't talk about my basketball career. I don't talk about my basketball career on Facebook. I don't talk about my basketball career. I don't have to. I know what I did, and I know whether I played you know, whether I was a top 75 or a top whatever or the bottom 75 in the history of the league, it still means that for 10 years I was one of the top 400 players in the league. In the world, I'm sorry. In the world, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. I don't have to talk about that. Anybody with half a fucking brain already knows that, so I don't have to discuss it. I've had people try to clown me um, for my dunk contest performance, right? And... <laughs> It's some funny shit that happened in the dunk contest. But then I, I have to like, like, Matone, you were in the dunk contest. There's 400. That's you true. were one of the first, you were one of the top 400 guys in the in the league, in the world, right? Then, so out of the top 400 guys in the world, the league thought you were a good enough athlete to make you one of the eight. You right. see what I'm saying? Right? So I don't, and, and I don't need to go deep into that. But that's what Sean yeah. is missing. He's still hanging on to that. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't done anything since then. And that's the problem. Right. And for the kids who are listening right now, the dunk contest actually used to be cool. Like, yeah, we would have real something. competition <laughs> in the dunk contest. Yeah. And this to me, it's like, I feel like Sean Marion just discovered the internet or something. He just discovered no, Twitter. No, I've heard him it's before. Like, I've heard him in other rooms. That's, <laughs> yeah. I was like, why? He's got this pent up 
pent-up thing about his ugly shot? Like, no one was talking about your shot. You know how many contracts you got, man? Shot Marion, you got hella contracts. Man, you made you a hundred, hella paid. You made no a hundred million dollars. thought about your shot. So, and, yeah. and, and look, I'm not saying that he did this, but but there's a there's a there's a thing that we used to talk about with some NBA guys. Um, there, and I'm sure you guys have heard these stories, but like some guys led with, "Hey, I'm such and such from the." Right, yeah. like because that's all they had. Oh, I'm, I'm uh, John Smith from the Phoenix Sun because that's all you got. Like you don't really have any game. You know, you're out, you're out of the club. You see a, a, a hot chick, you lead with the NBA because that's literally all you got. But then some of us, like I, you know, no, that wasn't even a part of my my conversation. You didn't find out I was in the NBA until the next night on TV, and you're like, hey, that's the guy I met. Last I just saw night. that dude, right? <laughs> And so, so I only say that because that's the way that sounded coming from Sean. Like, dude, come on, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't need, and I don't want you guys to take this the wrong way, but I don't, I've never cared if fans knew who I was. I never cared if fans respected my game. My teammates respected my game because they knew how hard I practiced every day, right? right my teammates right. respected my game because they knew that if one of them got hurt, I was capable of filling in for them until they got back. Right. I never needed the fans to say, oh, tone. Like one of the things I love to hear and cracks me up. Oh, yeah, I remember you. You do? Really? Where from? <laughs> Where do you remember me from? <laughs> you, you, you were on the Blazers, right? Yeah, yeah. What years? What years do you remember me from? <laughs> Just in general, what decade? Like you don't even have to give me the right. <laughs> Just give me a 10 year span and tell me where you remember me from. And I love it because they think I need that stroke for my ego. Like, man, I don't care. Uh -huh. Know me or don't know me. I know me. And my kids know me. My, <laughs> my wife knows me. That's all that matters. But yeah, that thing that Sean Marion did had me cracking up inside. Like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> I, I was oh. loving it. I thought it was gold. It was solid. Gold. Oh, it was 100% solid. And it was recorded. <laughs> and then he got recorded yes. saying it. And then it got sent to yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. I was surprised the next day. I woke up and here it is on like Bleacher Report and whatever it is. People are posting it on social media. I'm like, oh damn! I I heard that live. I didn't think that was recorded. That was Come amazing. On. Come on, like Sean. I, I like the confidence. You know, like the irrational confidence. But fans came to see the Matrix. Like, I don't know. Fans Maybe were Steve Nash. They were caught in the Matrix. <laughs> But I don't know if they came to see the Matrix. <laughs> True. Yeah. All right, Tone. Let me let me get you let me get you in uh, one more question, and then uh, you have some exciting news to talk about, and I want to make sure you have time to talk about it. Um, you had mentioned uh, the love you have for Lamar. Um, what do you think about Travis Demers stepping in for Kevin Calabro? It's happened a couple of times uh, recently. I think it's the future. I think it's the future, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a Travis Demers uh, fan. I'm with it. Um, you know, obviously, there's always going to be some, I don't want to say resentment, but some, like, dang, you know, my guy, he replaced my guy. But my guy didn't take animosity. care. Animosity? Not even animosity, because my guy didn't take care of his business the right way. So, you know, yeah. that is what it is. But, uh, man, Travis has done a hell of a job coming in to replace Wheels, who had to replace Sean, right? Like, that's a whole mm -hmm. thing. And he's been brilliant. And I, you know, I actually, I think I messaged Travis on Facebook and just told him, dude, man, you're, you're killing it. Like, 
Don't change anything. Mm-hmm. Keep being you. Yeah. Uh, I hope that the Blazers make that a permanent move at some point in the future. Kevin's on his way out. He's getting old. Uh, it's time to bring some flat, fresh blood in there. Uh, I think they need to get that job. That job permanently. If I can if I can be honest with you, yeah. Tone, uh, it never felt like Kevin wanted to be here. He's a Seattle guy. Yep. Why does he want to come to Portland? He needs a job, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. He was never into it. Never. Calling players by the wrong names. And and not, you know, you know first they should have never gotten rid of Mike. Let's be clear about never. that. But Amen. Never. if you're going to get rid of Mike, you don't replace him with a guy from Seattle. That makes no sense whatsoever. No. Um, but, I, I, yeah, so I, I really like Travis. Uh, I like his energy. And I don't care what anybody says. Now, I don't mind the guy being from the city, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, because yeah, it, it makes you, you you love the team, but that passion comes through, right? The fans can feel Travis's love for the team, but Travis is still relatively um, objective, considering the fact yeah. that he's a Portland guy. He's still pretty objective. I like yeah. that. Well. And we've had Travis on before, and I yeah, friend of the show. If I'm re- if I'm remembering correctly, he actually came from New York or somewhere on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. I believe it was New York, and then came and worked. Like he had to work his way up. Yes, uh, starting mm-hmm. off on the coast, uh, the, or Astoria. Or I can't remember exactly, but I then eventually right. he ended up here. So technically, he's not really. He's not from, from Portland, Port- but he's he been is here a, long enough. Currently, a Portland dude. Well, but, yeah, but he's, he's been here so years. long, and he. So, so there, to me, there's there's two different types of Portlanders, right? Well, three. There's people who are born here, and it's pretty fucking obvious that they're they're Portlanders. Then there's people yeah. who come here, and it's pretty pretty fucking obvious they're not from here, right? Then there's people, and I consider myself one of them. Then there's people who come here and just integrate ourselves into the community. Like, you know what? Portland is weird. So, damn it, I'm be weird too. Like, we just all <laughs> be one big weird happy family. That's what I think yeah. Travis did. He came in and decided, you know what? This place is kind of crazy, but I kind of like it. I think I'm going to be crazy with him. So he fits. Uh, same thing with Lamar. I think Lamar came in and just, because, you know, Lamar's from Houston originally. Mm-hmm. And it's a very different place. Houston is a very different city, very different demographic, very different culture. But Lamar has come in and he's really adjusted to this Northwest culture. And I think he fits the team. He likes the team. And I think that matters. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't care about this whole damn objective thing. Oh, broadcast has got to be objective. No, they don't. No, they don't. I, I remember when I first got the job, and I, I really like this guy now. But Kerry Eggers and um, Dwight James, they really got on my yeah. case for saying we and us. Right? Well, you can't be. Mm-hmm. You can't say we and us when you broadcast for the team. But I'm thinking, first of all, <laughs> you can't say we and us because you've never shot a jump shot. That's you can't say we and us. That's fair. You're not mm-hmm. one of us. I don't say we and us because I'm talking about the trailblazers. I said we and us because I was talking about basketball players, right? I related to them as a basketball player. We could have been talking about the New York Knicks. I still mm-hmm. would have said that because I was one of them at one point. I was still in that mode. I just retired. But they got they really like gave me shit about that. Oof. And I was, to be a fly on the wall for that conversation, because both of those guys have been on this show t- as well. I would have loved to listen to that conversation you, and see how they took that. Well, <laughs> you know, so it's an interesting thing. You know, Dwight and I did a show together way back in the day, a morning show, me, him, and um, CP, oh, shucks. 
Oh, the morning, the the the, the guy. Oh, shoot. You guys, you guys don't know who you know who I'm talking about. He's a radio host. Is it now. Chad? Chad Doing. Chad, Chad Doing. Yes. Portland. Well, 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 the three of us did a morning show, and this is when I was working for the Blazers. And like Dwight tried to throw it out there that I was being controlled by the team, like they controlled my messaging mm. and yada 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 yada. And on the show, yeah, he said he's, that he's, on the show. Yeah, we, we got into it a little bit on the show. It was wasn't that big a deal at the at the moment. But then <laughs> fast forward twelve years, and now he's working for the team, and his whole messaging changed. And I'm like, nah, dude. You know, I was I I, I was for the team because I was a part of the team, right? I played for the team. I, I, I wore the, the stripes. I had the pinwheel. That was part. I had my like that. That was a part of who I am. So I wasn't. I didn't change my messaging. I I just stayed true to who I was. He changed mm -hmm. his messaging. He didn't even want to talk about Neil O'Shea. Oh, I don't want to rush to judgment. You rush to judgment about everything. <laughs> Dwight, stop playing with me. <laughs> now, now you want to hold off until all the facts come out. Man, stop it. <laughs> Stop it! Get out of here. <laughs> um, but even with that, now I don't. I want to be very clear. I like Dwight, but I just remember yeah, yeah. that conversation. Like, huh. and I think if you look on my Facebook uh, page, Tim, you'll see I've actually said on my Facebook page I don't remember much about my NBA career. Like, I can't remember specific you told plays, us that. right? But I remember every dude who ever crossed me in my entire life. So I guess yeah. I'm telling both of y'all don't cross me because I literally never forget. <laughs> um, so, so things like so that. You get holding grudges. Oh, I'm the worst. So I'm gonna. Share, I, okay, so I, I know we got we're running I feel out like of time. Like that's a superpower, though. But I'm gonna share one story, and I don't know if I shared this with you guys or not, Tim. And if I have, I apologize to you and everybody listening. But summer of 1987, um, I'm playing. We're playing in a, in a basketball tournament in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, uh, called the Kentucky Prep Shootout. And it's a huge mm -hmm. tournament. Back then, this is pre-AAU like it is today. There were only like seven tournaments in the entire country that were big like this. Well, <clears throat> yeah. we go to this tournament, and we're playing this team from California called Art Midvalley. And they had this dude named Don McClain. Uh, Don McClain played at UCLA. He was a high school All-American. He was a 6'10 white dude that could flat out get it. So we're playing Ark, and he's playing center. I'm playing center. I had never seen a white dude besides Larry Bird that could play like this. Let me tell y'all what. He gave me the business. Like, for real, for real. Like, it was embarrassing how Val, and he talked trash the whole game. <laughs> but I couldn't respond because, you know, I'm trying to, we're trying to win. Long story short, he's, he kills me. He has like 38 points and 12 rebounds. And, you know, fast forward. <clears throat> He gets drafted by Washington, but he's an LA guy, so he's in LA. I'm, uh, I get, I get, I signed with the Lakers, and now we're at UCLA preseason run. So every year, summer in, in LA, all the pros gather at UCLA, and we play five on five. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there tying my shoes up, and Don walks in the gym. All I could see was red. <laughs> this is six years later. Six years later. <laughs> I'm still mad at this dude for killing me and talking trash about it. So, so we start the pickup games 
And I'm going at him like it's game seven of the NBA Finals. Like, I'm blocking his shot. I'm locking down on defense. I'm like, because uh, now keep in mind. It's, Lakers are looking around like, damn. Right? All right. But, but the difference is Don was an older guy when he graduated. So I graduated high school at 17. So to, at this time mm. that I'm playing him, I'm a 16-year-old kid. He's an 18-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, there's years apart, yeah. and I hadn't developed my body yet. So now I'm in my body, and I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm going at him. I'm talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the game ends, right? <laughs> the, the pickup run ends, and he walks over to me. He said, hard. Man, what the fuck did I do to you? <laughs> and, I, and when he said it, it snapped that thing that it turned on. It, it instantly turned it off, and I looked at it. I said, Don, I got a funny, funny story for you, dog. And I ran it back to him <laughs> when it happened like six years later. And he just laughed and he said, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. But I was like <laughs> mad. And it's every guy that ever did me like that in my entire career, I wanted to go at. Um, God rest him, uh, the first time I played against Cliff, I was a sophomore mm -hmm. in college and he had just gotten to the NBA. And I was up in Buffalo with my older brother. My older brother played for the Bills at the time. And I was up visiting him in the summer. And Cliff killed me, right? I, he was the second 6'10 guy I've seen that could play like that. Just killing me in some pickup runs and talking the whole time, right? <laughs> and so now I get to the league and we're playing him. And every time I played him, any game I played against him, I went at him super hard. The difference is Cliff did remember and Cliff and I were very similar that way. Like Cliff was a good dude, but he was very similar to me in that he felt slighted a lot of his life. And so he played with a chip and I played the same way. And like I was saying, until my oldest was, my oldest son was born and then that chip lifted. And that's why my career all of a sudden stalled was because yeah. I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't playing angry anymore. I wasn't playing to prove anything, but yes, to your point, do not cross me because I don't forget. Six years later, <laughs> 10 years later, 20 years later, I will remember and I will Will Smith your ass. <laughs> we just went that's, full circle that's, here. That's a great last message for Watch Your Tone, man. That's a great. <laughs> yeah, we got to get you to finish out with, so watch your tone. Oh, yes. All right, well, uh, see, next time I'm going to hit you with that one. But I think Will Smith in your ass is much better right now. <laughs> Oh, man, that was good. All right, Tone. Look, you got some pretty amazing products coming out, uh, pretty innovative products yeah. coming out. Look, we, we need you to tell us about it because it's coming soon. Yeah. We need to know the release date, where to find it. Give us a, a quick rundown again of, of what it is so, exactly. So so we were talking earlier. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it back a little bit. We were talking earlier about how I don't talk about my NBA, NBA career. And I don't talk about my, my NBA career because I never felt like that was what I was meant for, right? I was meant to do something bigger, better, greater. This is what I want to talk about. Like when I, when I tell, have conversations with people, it's what we're doing now. Uh, this cannabis thing that we're doing is so different and so new and it's so unique that this is a, what I'm most proud of of anything I've ever done. So what we've done is we have crafted alcohol tasting drinks. We have a margarita, we have a, a Long Island iced tea, we've got a Kiev mule, we scratched out the Moscow, fuck them. Um, we've got a, <laughs> a, a raspberry mojito, we've got a strawberry Cosmo, 
we've got a, a sparkling rosé, we've got a um, ginger green tea morning drink, right? And what we did was we took the alcohol out of all of that because ultimately alcohol is a poison. And the high you feel, the drunk you feel from alcohol is your body reacting to a poisoning situation. You're killing yourself. We replaced that alcohol with cannabis, with THC, but we microdosed it. We took our dosing down to what we feel like is an alcohol equivalent. So if you're at a bar and you're normally drinking five Long Island iced tea, it, if you do drink five Long Island iced teas, you need to check into rehab. That's a different conversation. <laughs> but if that's your norm, you can buy four Long Island iced teas from Deviate. Deviate is the name of our drink. We cocktail different, right? That's our motto. You're going to cocktail different. Um, you can buy four Deviate drinks and drinking with your buddies, you're both going to be drunk slash high at the same pace. So it's not a one and done. It's a social ah. cannabis drink. So you can sip on it and roll. We're launching in California as well. So I'll let you know something that I'll let you know when we yeah, come that way. Yeah, let me know what's up. I'll go so, grab it. <laughs> so we've got those seven drinks, uh, six drinks, and then we've got our third eye drink, which is actually a stoner drink. So that one has a, a higher THC dose, but it's for some people like to get, go all the way there, right? I don't want to dilly dally. I want to get to the destination. Well, we got one of them for you too. <laughs> Uh, so that's not for me. No, and, and so, <laughs> so the other thing that sets us apart is that our, our technology, the technology we did to create the, we used to create the drinks is water soluble. It's true water solubility. It's a hundred percent bioavailable versus everything else you find on the market. It's usually between 10 and 30% bioavailable. So if you buy five milligrams, you're only getting one, right? With our product, if you buy one, you're getting one. You buy five, you're getting five because the body's going to utilize all of that THC. That allows us to charge less. Like other, other brands on the market and other drinks on the market are five, six, seven bucks a can. We're going to hit the market retail less than $4 a can. A four-pack is going to be $14 at the dispensary. So you can buy a four-pack of these Take them home with your buddies. Uh, we, you can mix and match the four packs because instead of putting them in a box so you had to buy four of one thing, we decided to, to mix that. We're going to give you one of those, like a wine carrier, and you can put your drinks in there and you can pick any one from our assortment. So you can, you can kind of tailor your four pack to what you want. And so you get to decide. But more importantly, we're just going to make it affordable because if we're going to start taking on alcohol, we have to be able to hit the market in a way that people are like, well, shit, I can buy White Claws for $16 or I can buy this for $30. They're going to always buy the White Claw. So we're going to decrease our pricing so that we become affordable and attractive and people have an alternative to alcohol. Like I said, you got to stop me, Tim. I'm passionate as hell about this stuff, man. I love it. No, I, um, I'm giving this to you. I want you to yeah, talk about it. Please do. And it's, Let our listeners know. It's so healing. Like, people don't understand. They, you know, cannabis has had this stigma for so long. They, they look at it as a drug, and it's not. It's an all-natural um, uh, herb that actually occurs in the body. Like most people don't know about the endocannabinoid system and I'll, I'll run it down really briefly. If you were gonna put the endocannabinoid system into like a layman's term, think of iOS, 
right? That's Apple's operating system or Android or wherever you want to call it. The endocannabinoid system is your iOS. It's your operating system. Everything else is an app on the operating system. So whether it's your pulmonary system or your, your whatever other systems you want to call it, they all ride on the ECS. The ECS modulates everything in your body. Homeostasis happens on the ECS. But our ECS, our endocannabinoid system is jacked up right now because for the last 70 years, they've been starving us of hemp. They've been starving us of cannabis. I don't, and I tell people this, I don't even care if you don't smoke it, right? Take a bud, grind it up in your in your blender and drink it as a smoothie. Cannabis unsmoked will not make you high, but it will heal your body. So we're putting a non-alcoholic cannabis-based drink and replacing the alcohol you do drink. So not only are you not poisoning your body, but you're actually healing your body. And oh, by the way, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're good to go. There's no hangover. That's my number one thing is you're not hungover right. for the next three days. I'm 52 years old this year. If I have four drinks, I'm out for four days. It's gonna take me four days to get back to normal. <laughs> but when I have four of our DBA drinks or four, four of our, our El Hempe THC drinks, tomorrow, I'm good to go. But I had a hell of a night though. <laughs> the night was good. El Hempe. El Hempe, is that the one uh, that takes you straight to the destination? No, that's, that's third eye. We're opening, third eye. opening your okay. third eye. No, El Hempe, so we actually do have a moderately, uh, a, a moderate alcohol drink called El Hempe that's on the market right now. It is a tequila-based spritzer, so it's real tequila, mm. but when you pop the can, it has notes of OG Kush. So it smells like OG Kush, but it tastes like, we've got three flavors, lemon, lime, OG, um, uh, hibiscus, and mixed berry. So you get the flavor, those are the three flavors the, three, the smell is OG Kush, but it utilized tequila as the alcohol base. So I'm not anti-alcohol, but I think the DVA drinks and the El Hempe THC drink is better for the body. I believe that. Very cool. Uh, Tone, you got to tell us the release date. Oh, so we'll be in dispensaries June 1st. We were shooting for 420, but put a lot of pressure on me. And I don't like pressure. So we pushed our release date back. Plus, everybody does crazy stuff. Uh, 420 is like New Year's Eve. That's when all the amateurs do it. So we decided to push back. Uh, and so we're going to do our uh, June 1st launch. We are right now lining up 100 partner dispensaries. That's all we're going to do in the state of Oregon is we're only going to launch in 100 dispensaries. We're, uh, we've got wow. dispensaries knocking down the door. And from there, we're going to grow that list. But we'll probably never be in every dispensary in the state. That's not the objective. The objective is to create mm -hmm. something great find great partners and grow to a nationwide level. We uh, we just signed a lease and started our licensing process in Sacramento. So we're gonna can in Sacramento and ship all over the state of, of, of uh, California. We are going down to Nevada to tour plants uh, in two weeks. While we're down there, we're gonna well, tour the plant uh, and we'll have bottling in Nevada. So we'll be in Washington, Oregon, Washington, California and Nevada by the middle of the summer. Very so nice. So check nice. us out. DVA. Congratulations. Uh, uh, CocktailDifferent.com, um, ElHempe.com, and uh, Harmonic. The links will be in the description. Yes, I'll, I'll send you all that. It's it's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good night is what we call it. It's, a, it's Cocktail Different, and it's a different kind of night. 
Man, I gotta Very fly nice. out. I gotta fly out for the release. Hey, man, have come on out. Come on out. We'd love drink. to have you. Yes, sir. Yeah, you haven't you having <laughs> release parties? Uh, you know what? We're not. We're doing tastings at our office. So, Tim, you gotta come oh, to the okay. office one day. So we've got the coolest office in the entire state of Oregon. Um, downstairs, there's no, there's no like official areas, right? It's more, it's really loose. We've got one conference table. We've got a 120 inch TV screen. We've got uh, a bar. Like, like it's, it's not like any office you've ever been in. We never, we have, we have desk upstairs, but nobody goes upstairs. We sit around the office, mm -hmm. uh, sit around the conference table and we collab for eight hours a day coming up with new ideas and how we can push the cannabis industry forward. It's just like a giant loose think tank. That's what it is. That's 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 awesome. That's the best way to describe it. We're just a think tank. And we have a lot of fun. So yeah, man. It's amazing. You should come on out and, 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 and tour the office one day. When we start doing our tastings, I'll let you know you can come down and uh we'll yeah, get you hooked do. up. Yep. Please do. Yeah. Please do. Well, Tone, that's what we got for you today. Uh, again, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Hey, man, it's, it's it was great to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know what your schedule's like because I know you got this product coming out soon, but if we can turn this into a monthly thing, Tone, I'm telling you. you Tim, you know how to reach me. I, I, I enjoy coming on, man. I love, I, I enjoy uh, chopping <laughs> it up with you guys. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's for always sure. a lot of fun. And you got to meet uh, the original co-host. Yes. Finally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I think I think Ro was ducking me for a while. He was. I don't know if he was intimidated or what, man. I'm pretty easy going guy. No, this is great, guys. I, I, I love the energy. Look forward to being back on. And, and Ro, let me tell you something. Yes, sir. You better watch your tone. <laughs> yeah. He nailed it. He nailed it. He nailed it. All right. Well, thanks again, Tone. Uh, big shout out to you, to my co-host, Ro Zapanta, yes, to, to the Basketball Podcast Network, DraftKings, and especially you, our listeners, Twitter followers, and Bucket Busters. You make it so easy to keep stepping up to this mic. Keep reaching out to us on Twitter, at Busted Bucket, with your comments and questions. We love building community with, with you all. Don't forget to rate, follow, and subscribe, and leave a review if you're digging what we're saying. Be good to each other, Rip City. We'll catch you next time on the Busted Bucket Podcast. Thanks for listening.